Hello everyone and welcome back to my podcast. So let's jump right into it. We have spoken last week about Black Lives Matter and uh, I have kind of shared some of my reflections about what has happened and um, how I felt about it and kind of connected it to some of the events that have happened um, this year in 2021. And this week I want to speak about some of the common features between Asian hate, which has primarily been talked about this year around March and April, and Black Lives Matter and other forms of racism, like, for example, last week I was speaking about immigration in Italy, but also, you know, the country, it's in Europe and the US, or the situations of the the indigenous populations in Canada or Australia, uh, racism overall, and also some of the things that we can do to um, help with this situation. And yeah, (laughs) so let's jump right into it. I just wanted to mention that, of course, this week with... um, heard a lot about the Israeli and Palestinian conflict in the media. Um, definitely some terrible things have happened and it's something that I do want to speak about in this podcast. But this weekend I want to record the second part of um of this topic. Um and uh definitely it's a topic that I want to share that I want to speak about consciously because it's uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is very complicated and I think it's important to speak about it especially as someone with my um, background because I because of my studies I am able to understand why things are the way they are why people are reacting in such different ways and of course I am not someone that knows everything about it um, I'm also very objective and neutral to the conflicts because I'm not Jewish and I'm not um, a Palestinian and definitely I'm not Israeli. Um, so this can be an advantage but also a disadvantage uh, when it comes to speaking about it. So it's definitely a topic that I want to speak about consciously and I need to prepare really well for it. I'm also hoping to write an article about it so it's gonna come uh, but I just don't want to share it just because it's happening right now and it's been happening for years honestly and it will keep happening even when the media stops talking about it so um, I'm sure it will still be relevant but yeah (laughs) so I look forward to that but Let's go back to our main topic for this week. So, um, when I speak about common features, I speak about things that all these different types of racism that we have identified um that we have identified last week do have in common and of course um 
there are other things they haven't mentioned. That was just my reflection. And of course, I, I, I couldn't record for hours. But I feel like overall, there are two main common features to different types of racisms that we're witnessing every day. Um, structural discrimination is one of them and colonialism is the second one. So when it comes to structural discrimination, I mean that is that racism is um, definitely intersected with many elements of our society, with the structure of our society. That's why a lot of people say that racism can be systemic. Um, this basically means in practice that you know, racism is not always violent, it's not always in your face, and um, sometimes we have the impression that it might be because, of course, so many violent acts have been happening recently. So, we've seen old Asian men being hit um, in the middle of the street, obviously the murder of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, and many other murders, many other, I don't know, forms of violence happening around us. They're very evident and in your face, and that we tend to obviously really identify with a manifestation of racism. However, there are so many things in our societies, and I'm speaking primarily about Europe and probably America because those are the contexts I am more familiar with, but I think the same might be happening in other continents, parts of our society that do allow for racism to continue to be present and perpetrated in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and sometimes it's very frivolous things, such as makeup, for instance. I am a woman and I wear makeup and obviously I've been to Sephora, I've been to other shops where I went to get a concealer or a foundation and it was very obvious that only my shades of foundation or concealers were there. So I'm white, so obviously very pale shades, very light shades, but there was maybe just like one yellow shade and one dark shade, whereas obviously there's so much variety among people's different complexions and skin colors. How do makeup producers expect there only that one yellow shade and that dark shade to accommodate all the complexions of people of color. Um, how is that even possible? So that is definitely something that has been reported several, several times. And now brands are starting to come up with something different. But I've noticed there's definitely still um, not much diversity in this sense. Um, or even for women's skin colors tights, like they're so pale, how do you expect a woman of color to be able to wear it? And, you know, these tights to, to match to, to her skin color. So that is definitely very evident. But also, um, as much as we see things like that in our society, there are a lot of microaggressions 
that we are almost encouraged on day-to-day basis to to make and uh, for example we are very accustomed to ask where are you from if we see that someone may look different than us or they have a different accent and as much as you know not everyone asking that question has a bad intention it can come across as a racist action to some people and that is basically because it just kind of makes people feel like they're not part of the group and you know sometimes it's just a question of interest I even me as an Italian in the UK I've been asked so many times where I'm from um, I look more exotic <laughs> um, you know people guess my nationality when I speak because I definitely have a bit of an accent but it's not it's not very in your face so um, <laughs> it takes a bit of time to figure that out um, but you know if a British person does it to me it, it does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable at this point because I've been living here for like four, four years and I, I really try and you know speak with a good accent and you know be as integrated as possible um, and so it can be frustrating sometimes especially if a British person is like oh like I, I did recognize that you're not from here and I understand that some, sometimes it's even a compliment, you know, sometimes people think I'm beautiful <laughs> because I'm not British, but <laughs> which is which is weird to say. But um, but yeah, so it, it's definitely a bit, it, it can be a little bit weird. Sometimes I totally understand it. And I always understand that in, in my case, it's not, um, it's not about racism at all. It's just a question of curiosity. Um, but if, that makes me feel uncomfortable as a white person, as a European, a privileged European. Just imagine how it can make a person of colour feel, especially, you know, if that question is being asked to people that have been born in America, people, sorry, people of colour that have been born in America or in the UK or in other parts of Europe. So they they're totally have the citizenship and they're totally like Italian or British or American. And they just have a bit of a different, basically they're just not white and they're asked that question. And yeah, it again, it can be a compliment. It's can just be asked out of curiosity, but the way that uh, people tend to perceive it is you're just not part of the group. It does not matter how hard you will try and mingle and, you know, integrate yourself. Um, your skin colour will, will always give away the fact that you, you're different and that you're not completely American, completely European, or completely whatever else, just because you do not, you're not white, which is, which is very sad, Um, and it, it can make people feel really sad, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's just 
a question of asking that question differently. I've watched recently a IGTV um, by Chriselle Lim, who is an influencer on YouTube and like on social media, basically. And uh, she's American, um, but she has Korean heritage. I'm not sure whether her parents or her grandparents were from Korea and obviously she's spoken a lot about Asian hate in the past few months and uh, she was just explaining all of this in this IGTV and why that question is hurtful and she was just saying you know sometimes to just uh, make the question a little bit more inclusive you could just say oh what is your heritage rather than where you're from because <laughs> Like, especially in her case, she said that people, the problem is also that people can be really insistent. She she said that uh, in her life, she's been asked, obviously, where are you from? But then she, when she was saying, like, Texas, <laughs> um, she, she was asked, okay, where are you really from? And it's obviously a bit weird <laughs> to ask. Um, but, you know, if, if you're just curious, you, you can just ask, what is your heritage? And she would have no problem with that. And of course, that differs from person to person. And there are also people that like are, you know, don't really mind um, to reply to this question. But still, there are a lot of people who do. And probably we should get into a mindset of, um, you know, accepting that people are there because they want to be there. And it does not matter where they're from. What is important is that they're there with us in that moment and there are so many things that we can share and discuss together in that moment um, without necessarily having to know about what their origins are or where their parents or their grandparents come from. So yeah, I think this is a mindset shift that we should probably have. Another microaggression that is very justified in our society and it's basically another manifestation of how structural um, racism can be in western societies it's all the stereotypes that we um, basically associate uh, people of color with for example um, there are all the stereotypes about asian peoples like um, oh they they cannot drive or they're they must be really good at school really diligent really good at maths where in countries like america people of asian heritage are actually some of the ones that tend to go least to university um and uh even when it comes to black people in in america apparently the rates um them to be accepted in universities are lower as well um, or they just decide not to go because of how expensive it is and also if we want to go back I was just thinking right now if we want to go back to the beauty industry I'm just thinking even about a conversation that I had a while back with one of my flatmates in um, during my undergrad and uh, she was German, but she had British residency. You, she, she spoke like English 
perfectly with British accent and everything. You would never guess that she was German. But she had um, Sri Lankan heritage. Her parents were from Sri Lanka and they were actually uh, Tamil, so a particular ethnicity within the region. And she actually made me realise that um, there are not, there's not a lot of Indian representation in the beauty industry she was like you know sometimes I feel really excluded because when I look at magazines yeah I see that they're trying to be a bit more diverse and they put a Chinese model in there or they put like a beautiful black model but I mean black sorry I mean like a model with African um, heritage but I never see an Indian model or even a Tamil one, uh, for that matter. And she said that that really affected her and made her feel really excluded. And of course, I, I, I started noticing it. Even now, sometimes when I look at magazines, like Indian models are just not there, especially when it comes to the beauty elements, um, more so than clothes, which is a shame because if I think about um, the UK in particular, there are so many people of Indian or Sri Lankan heritage that live here and they are getting even very integrated, like they are very integrated. So I do not really understand why there is all this insistence upon just not just not including them in the industry. And I'm sure there are a lot of in you know, girls with Indian heritage who would love to get into the beauty industry and they're just not succeeding and not getting um passing a lot of castings basically. I'm not sure how it works. <laughs> but yeah. So or one of my flatmates here is actually from Namibia and she obviously has Afro hair. And, you know, she she was uh, saying to me, you know, it's so hard to find a hairdresser for me. I need to go see my friend and we need to help each other out when it comes to handling our hair. And again, I found it really interesting because instead I have like straight hair, typical European straight hair. <laughs> and I could basically just go everywhere. But for them, it's so hard. And yeah, even there, like she's from Namibia. And she's going to go back to Namibia next year. But there are so, so many girls and boys of African heritage living in Europe, in the UK, in America. And they just don't even know how to take care of their hair, which may sound frivolous. But at the end of the day, the way we choose to present ourselves to the world is a very political stand and it's something that's very valuable and deeply affects our self-confidence so I don't see why you wouldn't want to offer a service for so many of the people that live in your country like that um or yeah and, and, and you know even there it's very complicated because you could just say oh you know if you're someone with African heritage you can just hope in a hairdresser shop but um, even there then I think about the media and you know African girls having like straight hair or like being westernized in many ways so you know girls kind of grew up 
looking at that and thinking that that is the representation of what is beautiful and of course everyone wants to be beautiful and wants to be accepted so you know they, instead of taking care of their actual hair they try and make their hair look like something that is not so I'm definitely taking a tangent here and we'll definitely need to do an episode at some point about the politics of the beauty industry because I'm really interested in it but I think it just really shows that it's racism is really structural and sometimes even in ways that you wouldn't really think about it and uh, you know beauty the beauty industry in particular is like around us every single day it's in the shows that we watch it's in the it's in the streets and it's literally everywhere it's in advertisements so it, it definitely has an impact when it comes to perpetrating um, microaggressions, um, racist microaggressions in particular. And that is it for today's episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you got up to this point, Next week, do expect to hear a bit more about the second common feature um, when it comes to different kinds of racism, in my opinion, which is colonialism. I think it could be a very interesting episode, so please stick around. I am trying to make them shorter so that everyone um, can listen to them a little bit more really and hopefully engage with the content a little bit more but yeah I, I hope this was interesting it definitely was very personal in a way and contained a lot of my personal impressions but I still um, I still think it could be insightful and relatable and start interesting conversations when it comes to the topic and yeah thank you so much for listening and see you next week <laughs>